verse 46. Genesis 41, verse 46. So Joseph has prophesied, has seen and understood Pharaoh's vision, his dream, interpreted that. And in verse number 46, And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out through the, from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in cities, the food of the field that was round about every city laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, barren to him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God, said he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction." And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended, and the seven years of dearth began to come. According as Joseph had said, and the dearth was in all the lands, but all the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, and what he saith to you, do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all the countries came unto Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because the famine was sore in all the lands. So this man Joseph... And we know this if you are a Bible reader or even been to Sunday school much. You know, this was God's plan. And this was the way that God brought about the preservation of Jacob and his family of Israel. God changed his name down at the brook Jabbok. But Israel is going to be provided for, taken care of by Joseph. And if if you know the story, we know that Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. He was bought by the Ishmaelites, taken down to Egypt, and has spent quite a few years there, I would say close to 15 years 12 to 15 anyway, but he's 30 years old at this time according to the Word of God. And Joseph is laying up food in store. And if it had not been for the provision of God, if it had not been for Joseph in this time, if it had not been for God's provision for man through our heavenly Joseph, there would be nobody saved. Everybody would have died and went to hell. But Joseph is the preserver. He's the one. And I'd like to maybe just begin and think about these two sons that Joseph has. Verse number 51, and Joseph called the name. So Pharaoh's given Joseph a wife. Uh, Asenath is her name, the daughter of Potiphera, the priest of On. And unto Joseph was born the firstborn Manasseh. For God, he said, hath made me forget. You know, it's really amazing to read through the Bible and every name has a meaning. 
And if you miss that, if you just read over that and, and don't get that, you may miss a great, great blessing in God opening up the Scripture to you. So Manasseh, and you know, it wasn't the name that brought about the vision, but it was the vision that brought about the name. So as Joseph looks at his life, listen to what he... He names his firstborn named Manasseh. For God, said he, had made for me forget all of my toil and all of my father's house. Now do you think that Joseph literally forgot about his father's house? I don't believe he forgot about his father. We're going to find that in just a little while. I don't believe he forgot about his brethren. But in the workings of God, would you think with me that Joseph had, he had great opportunity to think about his father's house in a terrible way, didn't he? I mean, he comes down to Egypt. He's forgot about his toll. Was there toll in prison? Was there a time to think while he was in prison? But all of this time, God is preparing him. God is doing a work. So as we think about this and we think about the the toll that we may be going through, and you might even be thinking about the unfairness. You might even be thinking about how that life has not treated you fair. I tell you, here's a man that life has not treated him fair. But you know, he's got to a place. He's gotten over that. And I don't believe, I, I don't believe that you could say that he's some great spiritual giant. I believe there's been years that he wrestled with this. There's been years when he was in Potiphar's house and maybe things were going good, maybe he lost sight of how his brothers treated him. Maybe he lost sight of how that they sold him into slavery. But you know, when Potiphar's wife lied, when Potiphar's wife caused him to go into prison, don't you reckon that came back up again? He told the butler, he said, I shouldn't be here. You remember that? Remember me when it goes well with thee. But God was in the workings of all of this and whatever you may be going through, whatever may be coming in your life, I tell you, we can come to a place and thank God that we can, that we can forget that. We can come to the place that I believe Joseph has come to the place that he's not thinking about how that his brothers treated him. He's not thinking about how that Potiphar's wife lied on him. He's not thinking about how that the butler forgot about him. You know, if I dwell on that, I can have bad day after bad day after bad day. And you can as well. But I thank God... The Lord looked beyond the cross, despising the shame, but He looked beyond that and saw the joy that was set before Him. There may be days that all that's on our mind is how wrong we've been treated, how that we've got the short end of the stick, how that it doesn't seem to be fair. But Joseph said, I'm going to name this boy Manasseh. For God, said he, who caused him to forget his toil? Who helped him to overcome the treachery, the lying? Who helped him to overcome people forgetting him? What about him interpreting a dream that was so good for the butler and he forgot him? 
How many times has God been so good, so good, and He's been forgotten? But Joseph remembers. Joseph says, For God, for God hath made me to forget. I've forgotten my forsaking. I've forgotten being sold into slavery. I've forgotten the treachery. I've forgotten all the time in prison. I've forgotten that. And I've forgotten how my brothers mistreated me. God has brought me to a place that He's allowed me to forget all of that and allowed me to be brought into the family, brought into Egypt, brought here. And you know, I believe right here He's coming to the realization you may have meant it for evil to his brothers, he says, but God meant it for good. You may have meant to get rid of me, but God meant it for the preservation. What you're going through, what Joseph is going through, what you may go through yet, may very well be for the preservation of someone else. The Lamb of God came to this world and you know this? Was there, I, I, as you look at his life, look at the unfairness. Look at the treachery. Look at the being forgotten. Look at the beatings. Look at, look how that man treated the Son of God. And the Son of God was here for my benefit, for your benefit, for the benefit of the church, for the benefit of the family, for the benefit of all those that would ever be saved. The Lamb of God was here for our benefit. God help us. When you feel like you're going to faint, when you feel like you're ready to throw in the towel, when you feel like you don't understand and I just can't understand why this is happening to me, I'd like for you to go and read Hebrews chapter number 12, verse 1, 2, and 3, and read this. Read that the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're thinking that you're going to faint, know this, look unto Him. Look unto Him who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of God the Father. God exalted Him. Know this, friend, that every day is not going to be like this. And you know, here's the flip side. The flip side is there's seven years of plenty come. There's seven years of great blessing. You know what man thinks? I wonder if there's anybody else laying up in store. Joseph's got the vision from God. Unless there's a vision from God, you're not going to lay up anything for the hereafter. I tell you what things are. Things are going great right now. Things are going very well right now. Let's live it up. Let, 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 there's no need to think about tomorrow. I mean... You know, I, I believe even in the thinking of man, if we knew there was seven years of plenty, know this, there's seven years of evil. There's seven years of dearth. There's seven years of famine coming. Do you know this? Do you know that you may be right now in the prime of life, but know this, the days of darkness are coming. Know this, that the days of judgment are coming. Know this, friend, that though things may be going very well right now, and it may be that everything is going our way, it may be that we're in health, it may be that we're blessed monetarily, it may be that we're blessed with children, it may be that we're blessed with health, it may be that we're right now in the midst of plenty. I tell you what, you better be laying up. You better be providing for the days that are coming down the road. You better be providing because I want you to know this, the days of famine will come and the days of plenty will be forgotten. They'll be forgotten. There'll be no remembrance of the days of plenty because of the days of famine that are yet to come. I don't read where anybody else is laying up. And, and I do read this. It may not be the first year. 
And it may not be the second year, but I tell you, it's coming to the place that everybody in Egypt is going to come to Joseph. And they're going to sell their cattle. They're going to sell their land. They're going to sell their selves to live. What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his soul? We ought to think today about living. We ought to think today, what would I give to live? Oh, I tell you, to live, you would give it all. There's only one means to live. In Egypt and the surrounding area, there's only one means to live, and that's to come to Joseph. There's only one way. I tell you again, we may be living in the land of plenty today, but know this, in just a day or two, in reality, in life, just a vapor, just like grass, just like the morning dew, and just a day or two, it's going to be days of famine. And if we are not prepared, if we are not uh, uh, prepared for that, I tell you, it's going to be a bad time. He has caused me to forget all of my toil, and He's made me to forget my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of mine affliction. I tell you what a wonderful verse. That God could cause us to grow in our place of affliction. That God could bring us to a place of exaltation in our affliction. Look at this man. Is this man, did this man desire to be there? He did not desire to be there. He didn't deserve to be there in the natural part, but in the workings of God, he is there. But you know something? In his affliction, God has raised him up. In his affliction, God has exalted him. In his affliction, God has given him a place of honor. In his affliction, God has brought him to a place that he is able to enjoy. Isn't it wonderful that in the midst of Egypt that God is going to give uh, uh, Joseph two boys. Two boys, one named Manasseh, one named Ephraim, and he's going to make Joseph to be fruitful. I believe, his, I believe his daddy, and I may have that wrong, but I believe his daddy in the last of the book of Genesis that says he's a fruitful bough. Oh, wouldn't you like, wouldn't you like to be a fruitful bough? Oh, preacher, I, I'm, I'm in a rock pile. I tell you, you talk about a man in a rock pile. He's in a rock pile. But God Almighty is causing him to be fruitful in a rock pile. God has brought him down there under the treacherous brothers, brought him to prison under the lies of, of, of Potiphar's wife, brought him there and he's forgotten about, he's left and nobody knows about him. I tell you, all of this time that's going on, uh, Joseph said, my son is not, or, or Jacob said, Joseph is not. I tell you, in the midst of all of that, friend, God is still mindful of Joseph and where he is at. And I tell you, in the a rock pile, God Almighty is causing him to be a fruitful bough. Your outward circumstance does not prevent God from causing you to be fruitful. Where we're at, you talk about a place that a man could get the mully grubs and give up and throw in the towel and say, What's the use? He's in that place. But know this, God gave him a son, and the Bible says, for God. Who did this? Well, I did it myself, preacher. Well, I'll say this. 
You may claim that, but I want you to know this. If you're a child of God, you'll be just exactly like Joseph does. If you forget the treachery, if you forget the prison, if you forget how you've been treated, it'll be because God has caused it. And if you're fruitful in a rock pile, my friend, if you're fruitful down in Egypt, it'll be because God caused it. And I believe if you're a child of God, you'll realize that. But listen to what the Bible says. And the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Here he is. Who is he? I, I tell you, he, he's only, he is only under Pharaoh in the throne. Everybody else, everybody else is under this man that has been brought to a land of affliction, to a place where he shouldn't be. But you see the plan of God. God is causing what looks like an impossibility. Is He an exception to the rule? Oh, He is. He is. Just look at man. Look at man. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Sometimes we get there. Sometimes we're in a place similar to that. Not literally, but spiritually. We're in that place. And if we're not careful, we'll just say, I'm giving up. I'm quitting. It's no use. It's of no value. I tell you, this man, this man has got God on him. This man has God in his life. This man is here in Egypt on the purposes and on the business of God Almighty. And the rest of the world may not see it. And the rest of the world may be blind to it. But I tell you, God has a purpose for Joseph being in Egypt. And God is going to cause him to be fruitful in the midst of his affliction. You can go farther. We could go to Exodus. And do you remember these words? And I won't get it quoted exactly right. But the more that Pharaoh afflicted them, the more they grew. Isn't that right? The more that Pharaoh afflicted them, the more their cry come up before God. That's what the Bible said. The Bible said, God said to Moses, the cry of my people has come up before me. The cry because of their taskmasters down in Egypt. Listen folks, affliction's not always a bad thing. I may not like it in the flesh, and I'll just admit I don't like it in the flesh, but I'll tell you, God may very well be doing a work in you, doing a work in me, doing a work in Joseph, how to make us a fruitful bow, a friend in a rock pile. i tell you what He's doing. He's showing him off. Isaac, you remember what Isaac did one day? The Bible said that he went sporting with Rebecca. You think he's proud of her? Oh, you may look at Job chapter 1 and you may think this is going to be a bad story. Well, I tell you in the end, God is showing off His servant. In the end, God has brought him through affliction. In the end, there's nobody. I don't know of anybody outside of the Lord Jesus Christ and Paul the Apostle that would even come comparatively out of what Job went through. And maybe, maybe not even Paul because of the different affliction and the different heartbreak that Job went through. And I want you to know this, a friend in a rock pile in the midst of the devil's work, in the midst of the devil being turned loose on Job, God Almighty showed him all and made him to be a fruitful bough in the midst of affliction. Have you considered my servant Job? <laughs> Have you looked at my servant? Have you looked at my servant? Would you like to would you like for me to let you just turn you loose on him? My God, what a thing. 
But that's what God did. God said, I'm going to let you be turned loose on him. Why? To destroy Job? Oh no, honest to God, it's not to destroy you. It's, it's not to get you to quit. It's not to get you to give up. It's not so you'll throw in the towel. It's so you'll cry unto God. It's so you'll look unto the Lord. It's so that we'll realize I don't have any strength here. I don't have any power here. I don't have any ability here. Oh God, how that I need you. You know what He's going to do? He's going to make you to be a fruitful bough in the midst of affliction. He's caused me to be fruitful. In the midst of a place where it looks like a child of God cannot grow. We are in a world today that it looks like the world would like to snuff our lives out. But know this, in all of the darkness of this world, God has given us an opportunity to shine. In the midst of affliction, God has made me a fruitful bough. God caused it. God caused it. I'll tell you, it doesn't look like there's any other way that it could ever happen, but God would cause it. Even when the butler forgets him, who's in charge of Pharaoh having this dream? Who's in charge of him all along? I tell you, don't forget this. Don't forget that 15, 16, 17 years ago, Joseph had a dream too. It's coming. It's coming to fruition. God's work is not going to fall by the wayside. Joseph said the name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has caused me. My, my, my. God has caused me. He has made me to be. He has made me to become. He has made me to be fruitful in the land of mine affliction. Look at him. Everybody, everybody, even the family is going to bow down to Joseph. Jacob, the star and the moon, the stars and the moon is going to bow down and the sun is going to bow down to you, Joseph, at 14, 15 years old. That ain't never going to happen. I tell you what we'll do. We'll get rid of the dreamer. That's what the brothers said. Let's get rid of the dreamer. I tell you, all you're doing is adding fertilizer to God, making Him a fruitful vow. Only thing that you're doing is adding a little fertilizer to the plan of God Almighty. You're going to send Him down to sell Him out to the Ishmaelites. Well, know this. That's exactly the way that God's going to get Him down to Egypt. He's going to end up in prison. He's going to end up in there. And He's going to shave Himself one morning because He's going to have to go and stand before faith. And he's going to interpret his dream. Who shall we put over this work? Who else is there to put over this work? This man. God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of mine affliction. Seven years of plenty has come. The years of dearth has started. Is Joseph going down because of the dearth? No, I tell you what. Because of the dearth, Joseph is going to be exalted more and more and more. You know, just seven years before, eight years before, Joseph is in the prison house. Nobody thinks anything of him. He's a man that you can just forget just like that. I tell you this, there's a day coming, friend. You may forget about the Lord Jesus right now. You may forget because things are going good with you. He told, he told the butler, when things go well with thee, remember me. He forgot him. Forgot him. But I tell you, the day came, friend, that he remembered. You know, I don't want to throw too much fault on the butler. 
Things were going good for him. Why would he think about the fellow that interpreted the dream? Oh, I'll tell you how easily we forget where we came from. But the day has come that Pharaoh calls for him. And you know, here he is. He's put over the business. The business of what? What is he put over the business of? He's put over the business of all of Egypt's life. All of Jacob's life. All of Jacob's 75, 70 people that are coming going to come out of Canaan's land, going to come out of that area. They're going to come down to Egypt. He's in charge of the world, if you'll have it. No, I tell you this, this Joseph, this Joseph, thank God, because of him, the dearth is in all the lands, but in the land of Egypt there was bread. Why? There's only one person can get the credit for it. It's not Pharaoh. And you know, I, I wouldn't want to go too far with that. It's by the provision of God for the seven years of plenty. But it's also by God that gave Joseph the vision to lay up. It's also by God that God used Joseph for seven years of plenty that he laid up. Isn't it amazing that for seven years... So we got 14 years total. Year one, he's putting corn in the storehouses. Year 14, they're still eating out of the storehouses. Isn't that amazing that you got corn stored? At this point in time, we can't store corn today in our modern world with all of the inventions, with all of the chemicals, with all of the right humidity, the right climate, the right airflow. This, ladies and gentlemen, was probably 1,700 years before Jesus came and Joseph is going to store corn for 14 years. And it's going to be edible. That's something, ain't it? You reckon God's involved in this? (laughs) I tell you, thank God for our heavenly Joseph that made a provision for us, that made provision that you and I could be fruitful in a place, a friend of affliction, that God had can make us to forget our treachery, make us to forget how that things are not going our way, can make us forget how that we've been treated wrong. God can do that. I tell you, God can cause you to enjoy in the midst of affliction. God can give joy. That song, page number 30. Huh? Isn't that right? Can God cause December to be just like May? God can. I tell you, God can cause December to be as pleasant as May. What's the difference? I tell you, it's what's on the inside. Now listen, Joseph, they're they're, going to get in a bad place. Where are we going to go? Well, there's only one answer. Pharaoh says this, you want bread? When all of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all, the Egyptians go to Joseph, and what he saith to you, do. I, I, I remember hearing something real similar to that. It was a woman that said it. They said, we're out of wine. Said, go to Jesus. And whatever he saith, do. Oh, I tell you, isn't it wonderful, friend? That he took that, that they used to wash and be clean. They used to wash their hands and their feet. And he took that and, and he said, Go, go fill these firkins, go fill these water pots up with with water. And friend, when they began to draw out, you know what was there? There was something, friend, not to wash your hands and your feet with. Uh, he drew something out of there that went down on the inside. He put something in there, friend, that was a cleansing that went on the inside of man. Instead of cleaning man up on the outside... Jesus came to clean man up on the inside. I tell you, He can make you a fruitful bough in the midst of affliction. 
Is there any other place to go to? The king of Egypt says, go to Joseph. Whatever he says, that's what you'll do. And the famine, verse 56, was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all of the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. Isn't that something? I'll say this, friend. That Jesus opened up the whole of the house of God for you and I. You want what God's got? Come to Christ. You want to enjoy... Now, now listen, this is what the Bible says. Don't miss it. He opened up all, all the face of the earth. Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptian, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. <laughs> Did he open it all up? There's no part. You're an heir of God if you're saved, and if you're not saved, you could be saved. If you're not saved, you could be a child of God. If you're not in the family, you could be in the family of God. If you've not called on our heavenly Joseph, if you've not called on the Lord Jesus Christ, you could call on Him. Know this. You may live all of your years and they may all be good, but know that the days of darkness shall be many. You can sleep through the church service. Just go ahead and do that. And your soul, unprepared to meet God. Isn't that amazing? That church does not interest us. Our heavenly Joseph does not interest us. What a terrible place that the devil has got us rocked off to sleep. What a terrible place that David said, Lord, open my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. There's no other place to go. He's the only one to go to. Does he have the key? Oh, he said in the Revelation that he had the key. He's got the key of David. He's got the key and he can open the door and no man can shut it. And he can shut the door and no man can open it. Our key of Christ is the key. Our heavenly Joseph is the key. But notice this, that he opened up all the storehouses over all of Egypt. You know something? I, I don't have to go to Jerusalem to get in. I don't have to go to Asheville to get in. I don't have to go to Nashville or Charleston to get in. I, I can get in right here. I can get in here because the Lord Jesus Christ has opened up the storehouses that you and I could come to Him and we can get means for what we stand in need of. I listened to Anthony, uh, uh, the last Sunday school lesson, and you know, there he is. He's the bread of life, isn't he? I thought about the manna, and that manna that came down from heaven, they went out every morning to get manna to survive the day. I tell you, the Lord Jesus Christ is the true bread. The Lamb of God is the true bread. What are these people coming for? These people are coming to have bread. These people are coming to have bread to be able to live. If you're going to live, you're going to have to come to our heavenly Joseph. And I tell you this, friend, whatever the situation may have been, whatever the situation is today, no this, He can cause you in a land of affliction, in a day of sorrow, in a time of darkness, in a time of an a ungodly and a wicked and a perverse world. He can make you to shine as a light. What do I need to do? Don't argue. Don't murmur. When God speaks to your heart, move toward Him. And the famine was sore over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore over all the land of Egypt, and all the countries came unto Egypt. That's not enough, is it? Is that, is that the end of the verse in your Bible? And all the countries came unto Egypt for to buy corn. All the countries came unto Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn. 
because the famine was sore in all the land. Know this, friend, that today the lost world is buying corn from God. Can you just ponder on that just a minute? The world is being sustained by the hand of God. But His family, Joseph's family, they're not buying corn. They come to buy corn, but when they left, they had their money in their sack. When they left, they came with the price that they were willing to pay to have corn. They left with the price in their sack. Would you be willing to come today? What would you be willing to give to have life? Would you be willing to be like the prodigal son? Would you be willing to become a servant? Would you be willing to admit your sin? Would you be willing to admit that you have wasted your life up to this point? Would you be willing to, uh, to admit that and to sell out to buy corn to live? Do what you could do. You could have corn today and have money in your sack when you left. You could become a part of the family of God. Egypt bought corn all along. They sold their sales. Now you think about this spiritually. They sold their sales to have corn in Egypt. Joseph is going to say, I'm going to skip a, a little bit. But look with me in the 45th chapter. Joseph is going to say to his brethren, now listen, they've come twice. <coughs> they've come twice to get corn. And both times when they left, they had their money in their sack. You know something? You're not going to buy this with money. I'm not saying you won't have to be willing. I'm not saying you won't have to be willing to sell out. Because if you're not just like the rich young ruler, you hear me? Just like the rich young ruler, he was unwilling to sell what he had to have eternal life. So for you, if you are unwilling, if you are unwilling to sell out to have the Lord Jesus Christ, know this, you'll never have Him. But they brought their money in their sack and they come down there and I'll tell you what they did <coughs> before it was all over. They admitted what they were. Before it was all over, the first time they found their money in their sack, they said, oh, what has God done to us? What are we guilty of? I tell you, isn't it amazing that they thought about their brother that they sold into slavery when they found the money in their sack? This just don't add up, they're thinking. God has found us out. Well, just as our sister said a few minutes ago, when Abraham split them sacrifices and laid them out there, and God walked through the midst of them, you and I are just exactly the same. We're open unto Him, and there's nothing hid from Him. He knows us inside and out. There is absolutely nothing that the truth is. He says it about His Word. And you can say it's about the written Word, or you can say it is about the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. God knows us! But listen to what Joseph. I tell you, thank God, he's not a man of malice. He's not a man of envy. He's not a man that's ready for retribution. He's not a man of vengeance. I may very well be a man of vengeance. I may be a man of, of malice. I may be a man of envy. But he's not. Thank God he's not. God's caused him to forget that, Chris. When he saw his brethren... When he saw his brethren and he looked at Benjamin, you know what he did? He ran to the back room so he could weep. How he loved them. How he loved them that he could have and should have by the natural man. He should have hated them. But he loved them. Oh, his heart 
went out to them. How could that be? God caused it. Only God could cause that. He reveals Himself to them. He reveals Himself to them in chapter 45. And they were, in verse 3, they were troubled, they were terrified. And Joseph said to his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, who you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Isn't that wonderful? What a heart. What a mind. What compassion that this man has that he can say, God sent me. God sent me to save you. God sent me to keep you alive. God sent me in all of your wickedness. God sent me to keep you. To preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great... How great a deliverance is this? I tell you, it's the greatest that ever has been. To be delivered from Pharaoh. <laughs> to be delivered from Egypt, to be delivered from death, to be delivered from hell. All of that is wonderful. But to be delivered from the justice and the wrath of God Almighty. The greatest deliverance that could ever be is to be delivered from the hand of Him who sits on the throne and the earth is His footstool, who is a God that is a consuming fire, who is a God that will in no wise acquit the wicked to be delivered from Him. How great is that? God sent me to save you and, your, and give you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So now, it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And He hath made me a father. What about that? Joseph is a father to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is looking unto Joseph. The king of the greatest World and that time, the king of the greatest nation is looking unto a little boy that just a few years ago was in prison. He hath made me a father. You, do you see how many times it says God hath done? God hath made. But God, He hath made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the lands of Egypt. Haste ye, go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me a lord over all of Egypt. Come ye down to me, tarry not. Come ye down to me, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me. And thy children, and thy herds, and thy, and thy children's children, and all that thou hast, and there will I nourish thee. My, my, my. Would you come down today? Would you be willing to come down today to be nourished by the one God has sent to take care of you? Would you be willing to come down today and come near? He said, come near to me. Come near to me. 
I've got a place for you. Though you may call it the land of Egypt, I've got a place set aside called Goshen. I've got a place where you can look. You know where it was? It was on the east side of the Nile, but it was bordered right up against Canaan's land. I've got a place down here in Egypt, though it may be called Egypt by everybody, I've got a little place set aside called Goshen for you, and you can look and see Canaan's land. All the time you're down here in Egypt, know this, God's got a plan for you, and He's going to make you to be a fruitful bough in the midst of affliction. Would you come down? You see, if you don't come down and come near to Him, He can't nourish you. You'll have to come down to be nourished by Jesus. You'll have to come down to be nourished by our heavenly Joseph. Jesus came down, didn't He? Did Jesus come down? Was he delivered from prison? Well, I tell you, I don't know how you could say it any other way. He was delivered from prison, spiritually speaking. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Is there any place that could be any farther away, any lower condition, any greater affliction than for God? But know this, that that same God that forsook him on Friday afternoon is the same God that did an operation on Sunday and raised him from the dead. Though you may have looked and you said this man is cursed of God, I'll say amen and yes he was for my sake and for your sake. But know this, on Sunday morning, by the operation of God, God raised him from the dead and all those that will ever believe in him were raised with him. But he came down first. Before there was a resurrection, there was a death. Before there was a tomb, there was a cross. Before there was an exaltation, there was a coming down. Before I could ever come near to Him, He came down for me. And before I can ever be nourished by God, I'll have to come down. You don't have to stay in that place. You don't have to stay in that place where all you can remember is how bad you've been treated. You don't have to stay there. God can make you forget that place. And God can make you to be fruitful in the land of affliction. Any need from anybody today?